Welcome back, my spooky friends. It's just me tonight. Uh, we're going to switch things up and talk about some researched stories versus some of our listener stories. We are going to throw a few of those listener stories in there, but I've got quite a spooky episode for you prepared. Um, it's about haunted dolls and haunted objects. So <laughs> this is one of those subjects that also freaks me out. <laughs> I don't have any personal experience with it, and I hope never to <laughs> run across any of it. But without further ado, I will get started. We'll start off with, you know, some of the least scary ones and work our way up to the very scary ones. Um, this story is a story that uh, we heard about in high school. Uh, one of the people that we knew in our church, um, their dad traveled a lot for business and, uh, you know, always brought home souvenirs for his girls and everything. And uh, this one particular time, uh, one of his daughters started having these horrible, horrible, like demonic nightmares. And they couldn't figure it out. She was like old enough not to be, you know, running and crying to her parents' bed. Um, and so they knew something was wrong because she was too old for that. So, you know, the mom, you know, trying to problem solve, she decided to sleep in there with her. You know, like, I'll spend the night in your room, you know, we'll, we'll have a good night, you know, we'll, we won't have any nightmares. Well, that night, they both had nightmares. The mom had the same kind of nightmares as well. So that's whenever they knew something was wrong. So, of course, they called the pastor and had him come over and check out the room and, you know, say some prayers and stuff like that. And actually, they figured out that it was one of these souvenirs um, from across the world somewhere. Um, but it was a nightlight that kind of looked like a star um, and the shadow that it would make on the floor was a pentagram and that was what was giving her nightmares and once they got rid of that object uh, her nightmares went away that's a quick story um, just one that we heard you know when we were in church um, we'll get right started with some of these cursed objects all right so there's this painting this painting is called the hands that resist him and i'm not going to put a link in the facebook page because i don't want anybody to go look at it it depicts a little boy standing next to a doll who seems to be holding some sort of object that we can't make out with hollow eyes. The two are poised in front of a window and behind them, there are hands pressed all over the glass and it's just dark behind them. It's unnerving to say the least. The longer you looked at it, the more uncomfortable that you would get. And then came the digging. <laughs> Turns out the depiction was completed in 1974 by an artist named Bill Stoneman. Stoneham, who based it off a photograph his parents captured of him when he was a child. Soon after Stoneham 
finished it, it entered a gallery where it was reviewed by a Los Angeles Times art critic. Later, the Godfather actor, John Marley, swooped in and scooped it up. The painting's dark fame was just getting off the ground, though. Within six years, the gallery owner, the art critic, and Marley all died. Before he passed, however, Marley sold the painting, and it wouldn't be seen for 26 years, popping up on eBay in 2000. The then owners claimed that while they initially found the work to be quite good, it was much more than it appeared to be. The four-year-old daughter of the family came to her father one morning and said she'd seen the doll and the boy from the painting fighting during the night. To quell her worries, the father reassured her and even went so far as to set up a motion-sensitive camera that faced the art. However, he claimed in the eBay post that when he looked back at the footage, he saw the boy crawl from the painting forced out by the doll whose mysterious handheld object had morphed into a gun. The painting was eventually sold to a gallery owner who placed it in her establishment in Grand Rapids. Um, people that have seen this have reported hearing, you know, kids in their house and, you know, just hearing things move around and stuff like that. So it's one of those that, like, creeps you out just upon looking at it, uh, soaking it in. Um, I have seen it. It is quite disturbing <laughs> um, and uncomfortable to look at. Um, it's just one of those things you can't explain. It's just like, oh, nope, not going to look at that for very long. Um, so I'm not going to put it on the Facebook page. I would love to, <laughs> to freak some people out. But just in case that is like one of those cursed images, I'm not going to do that to you guys. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, the Hope Diamond. Its weight is 45 carats. Its color is violet. Its status is possibly haunted. One of the most famous diamonds in the world, so maybe it's not that surprising that it might be haunted. Although many have speculated that reports of a curse are simple efforts to increase the object's air of mystery. Um, let's go with it for a minute. In its earliest form, the diamond, which was most likely cut from a mine in India, is said to have been stolen from a statue. The thief was subjected to an extremely unfortunate death. This kicked off what seemed to be a string of upsetting fates, for many of the individuals who owned or even touched it over the years. Jacques Collet died from suicide. Princess Lamballe was killed in a massacre in the French Revolution. The merchant Jean Le Tavernier <laughs> was mauled by wild dogs, just to name a few. You can breathe a sigh of relief, though, because since Harry Winston donated the diamond to the Smithsonian in 1958, the alleged curse seems to have abated. Creepy. All right. One second, and we'll get right back into the haunted objects. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, this is one of the research stories um, called The Haunted Doll. When you think of haunted dolls, it's likely the creepy, old Victorian-looking porcelain kind that spring to mind, none of which you probably have laying around. Still, don't get too comfortable around any kids' toys too soon. It was reported at Disney's Frozen Elsa doll that was gifted for Christmas in 2013 in the Houston area made headlines earlier this year, seemingly becoming haunted. Per KPRC2 Houston News, the doll recited phrases from the movie Frozen and sang Let It Go when a button on its necklace was pressed. For two years, it did that in English, Mother Emily Madonna said. In 2015, it started doing it alternating between Spanish and English. There wasn't a button that changed these. It was just random. The family has owned the doll for more than six years and has never changed its batteries. The mother says the doll would randomly begin to speak and sing even if it was switch, its switch was turned off. The family decided to throw the creepy doll out in December of 2019. Weeks later, they found it inside a bench in their living room. The kids insisted they didn't put it there, and I believed it because they wouldn't have dug through the garbage outside. Madonia told KBRC2 Houston News. At that point, Elsa ceased to sing in English and did the Spanish-only version of Let It Go <laughs> when the button was pressed. The family then double-bagged the bizarre doll and place it at the bottom of their garbage, which was taken out on garbage day. They went on a short trip after, and when they returned, Elsa too had come back and was waiting in the backyard of their home. This time, the family mailed Elsa to a family friend in Minnesota who taped the haunted doll to the front bumper of his truck. It did it doesn't seem to have made its way back to Houston yet, as per Madonna's latest February Facebook update on the creepy doll. Ooh, Kara was thinking that we just had to worry about those old porcelain grody-looking dolls. <laughs> this was an Elsa doll, y'all. <laughs> Let me go check my niece's room. That's just so disturbing. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, we'll get right into the next story. <sighs> do, do, do. This was sent to us by one of our listeners. Um, she said that it's about a doll as well. Um, let me just pull it up. There we go. It's a short story. It's... My cousin had go gone off to college, and her toys from her childhood were upstairs in the attic. Her mom heard something upstairs one night. A doll that crawled and cried was in the floor of her bedroom, and it wasn't there before. 
and the batteries have been dead for years. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> That's disturbing. I would, I would definitely throw that one away. It's just my advice. <laughs> it's what I would do. All right, let's talk about some more creepy dolls. All right, there's a famous doll. You can all verify this on Google. Look up uh, several different sources. I'll give my sources at the end. Um, but there's Mandy, the doll with the sinister smile. Mandy has been scaring uh, <laughs> the shoot out of staff members and volunteers at British Columbia's Quesnel and District Museum since 1991. Shortly after she was donated, strange events started happening, like the sounds of disembodied footsteps and vanishing office supplies, to name a few. Several museum guests were made uneasy by her, regularly commenting on her sinister smile and lifelike eyes. We, however, would prefer to comment on said attributes from the safety of our <laughs> house. Let's see. Another article on Mandy uh, says that this antique haunted doll is over 100 years old. Gives the name of the museum again that she was in. Um, and according to the museum, the former owner swore that the baby's cries could be heard from the doll. It screams drifting up from the basement in the middle of the night. With time, the cries would grow so loud they couldn't be ignored. And that's when Mandy was handed over. Made approximately between 1910 and 1920, this doll is made out of porcelain. And since moving into the museum has caused even more of a fuss. All right, so that's whenever it was with its former owner. So before the museum. Following Mandy's arrival to her new home, unexplained footsteps were heard around the museums. Lunches would disappear from the fridges and turn up in drawers. Meanwhile, office supplies like pens, pictures, books, and other items would simply vanish, never to be found again. Museum visitors have also claimed that their batteries drain uh, around the doll and their camera lights act erratically in the haunted doll's presence. The museum claims this real-life scary doll has even confined, has even, was even confined to her own case because it would harm the other dolls around it. Oof. Oof. Mm -mm. No, sir. Mm -mm. I don't mess with a haunted doll. <laughs> you could not pay me even to go visit these. My gosh, there's so many stories. No, thank you. All right, we'll get right back into stories right after this. All right. This is a story about a doll that was sent to me. Again, we're trusting the uh, listeners and the readers that are sending this in. Um, it's up to you, the listener, to decide on what you actually believe about these stories, on the truthfulness of them. Um, so without further ado, I will get started in this very freaky doll story. Once upon a time... <laughs> starting it just like a make-believe story good i won't have nightmares <laughs> once upon a time uh a lady from our church gave me a handmade doll that used real human hair mm -hmm. can't be using real human stuff 
You cannot. <laughs> okay, okay. Using real human hair. Um, it was very pretty, and we put it on the uh, table in the hallway as you come into the door. Um, and it sat there. So shortly after getting it, we started seeing it be knocked off the, the little table, be on the floor. I would always accuse my kids of touching it, moving it, um, playing with it. And I was telling them it was special. We, we don't need to uh, touch it because we don't want to break it because it was a gift. <laughs> my dogs are barking. Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, back to the story. So the kids always swore up and down, you know, like they were teenagers. They were like, we didn't touch it. We promised we did not touch it. So time goes on, um, you know, and it doesn't really become like a creepy thing until they find this recording on her phone. And it's of the doll on the floor. And then it shows the doll moving. And then a sound is heard that says, Mommy, come play with me. Mommy. And it was so creepy. And she got so furious at her kids for trying to play this joke on her. She's like, this is not funny. Because if this was real and we, you know, are Christian, we kind of believe this stuff could happen, you know, with spirits. We don't play with this stuff. Like, she got really mad. And she confronted her kids, you know, and they were swore up and down again. Like, we did not do this. Why would we do this? No, we didn't. So, you know, she deletes the video. She turns off the phone, puts the phone in a drawer. Uh, later on, she heard the phone ringing, and she knew she took the battery out. She knew the phone wasn't working. So she goes and gets the phone out of the drawer, and it's on. But the battery's not on it. And it's a text message. And it says, Mommy, Mommy, come play with me. So she instantly knows that something is very wrong. Uh, she also said that the video was back on the phone that she thought she had deleted. And it was still on the phone. So her dad's a pastor, one of those uh, traveling pastors. So she called him and asked him to come, you know, help. Because this was obviously spiritual, um, out of her hands kind of thing. So... With that, her dad told her that she needed to get everything that was like horror movie or like any kind of like foothold for anything evil, you know, get it out of the house and he would be there. So he goes and he pretty much, you know, blesses the house, exercises the thing. And, you know, it wasn't an issue after that. You know, they got rid of the doll and it wasn't an issue. Fast forward to any time they talk about creepy things such as this, stuff starts happening in their home. Baskets being thrown from the laundry room against doors, you know, just 
violent poltergeisty stuff. So thanks for sharing that story. That's super creepy. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this episode, guys. <laughs> this is going to be a hard one to get through. All right, welcome back. We're going to talk about Harold the Cursed Doll. Harold pretty much tops the list of things that make us say, no, <laughs> not going there. The doll was listed on eBay in 2003, where the seller alleged that his presence in their home caused the death of their cat, the end of their relationship, chronic migraines, and the seller even heard the disembodied voices of children playing in their basement. Harold was passed around from owner to owner for the next several years. He's been rumored to have caused various deaths and illnesses. His last owner was Anthony Kenyatta, who claims to have exercised the doll and has sworn to never speak of Harold again. Let's see, another article states that one of the most verbally vicious dolls on the list, Harold is also one of the most visibly disheveled. He was created approximately around the turn of the century and has passed through many hands. It's unclear whether the doll is possessed, cursed, haunted, or something else. But various reports from those who have seen the doll indicate that merely being in its vicinity can be painful. Harold is, quote, the first haunted doll to be sold on eBay and is currently owned by a man, of course, like I said before, Anthony Kenyatta, a paranormal investigator and author in his own right. Its previous owner expressed concern over Kenyatta taking the doll, but Kenyatta was adamant about getting to the bottom of the haunted doll's story. He brought Harold home with him after winning it in an online auction in 2004. That persistence and curiosity lasted around a year until the doll's creepy and tormenting behavior became too much for its new owner to handle. Hinata said that the doll is guided by a dark force, unlike anything he has ever read or heard about in paranormal literature. In 2005, Kenyatta put the doll in a storage unit where it stayed until 2013. After public interest in the doll grew, Kenyatta brought it out of storage and continued investigations on the scary doll. Investigators and members of the general public who have come in contact with Harold have reported hearing aggressive, antagonistic voices, as well as seeing slight movement and changes in the facial expression of the doll. A paranormal team, after asking to come in and do a reading on the doll, reported migraines and back pain caused by Harold. Others have claimed unexplained injuries, and Kenyatta even blames the doll for the death of one of his puppies. <laughs> so there's varying reports of, you know, a cat or a puppy or stuff like that, something dying as a result of this doll. Um, I see a picture of it. It looks pretty old gonna say crappy but i don't want to disrespect any of this stuff i don't i don't know there's reports of when people have said disrespectful things about some of these dolls um you know 
falling ill will falls on them and stuff like that. So not trying to do that to myself. All right. Let's get to some more scary stories. All right. There is an Isle de la Monecas, the island of the dolls, the land of trapped souls. Just south of Mexico City rests the straight out of a horror movie, Isle de las Monecas. The land, the land's original caretaker, Don Julian Santana Barrera, allegedly found the body of a drowned girl and one of her dolls floating near the island. He hung the doll on a tree in sign of respect, but after being haunted by her spirit, began began hanging more and more dolls around the island in an effort to appease her restless ghost. After 50 years of obsessively collecting his dolls, Barrera died of drowning in 2001, apparently in the same exact spot where he found the girl. Ooh, that's creepy, and <laughs> I never want to go there. <laughs> that is not on my destination list. At all. Alright, this other story is also from Mexico. There is a mannequin in the storefront of a, um, you know, a storefront called La Popular Bridal Shop in Chihuahua, Mexico. Where she stood for 80 years. Locals were initially unnerved by her lifelike appearance and striking resemblance that she bore to the owner's late daughter. Rumors quickly spread that the mannequin was actually the young woman's embalmed corpse. Today, this mannequin attracts fascinated tourists hoping to catch a glimpse of her varicose veins, magnetic eyes, and eerily realistic hands, which are covered in fine lines, thin hairs, and fingernails. All right. Yeah, that... That would be creepy. It does look pretty freaky. Gotta admit. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? That one doesn't sound like haunted haunted, but it's still weird that they would <laughs> use a corpse for a mannequin. All right. This one is super weird. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this one. Like, you guys are going to have to help me out. Tell me if there's some kind of fungus that causes this or how this is happening. I don't know. All right. In 1918, 17-year-old Ikichi Suzuki bought a doll for her sister, Okiku. She quickly became attached to it, even christening it with her first name. But sadly... She died a year later of an intense fever. The family built a memorial altar in her honor, placing the doll, Okiku, at the center of it. Shortly afterwards, the Suzukis noticed that Okiku's hair was growing. Believing that the spirits of her daughter had latched onto the toy, the family donated her to Japan's Maneji Temple, where she is still on display. Her hair continues to grow and is now documented at 10 inches long. Dun, dun, dun. That's so weird. 
Oh my goodness. All right, guys. I will be right back. All right. Welcome back. We will get started. This next story comes from the Royal Scottish Museum. Uh, it's called the Goddess of Death Statue, a.k.a. the woman from Lamb. If the first question out of your mouth on seeing the image of this is what exactly am I looking at? Because really it looks like, you know, I'm not going to say what it looks like because I don't want to be disrespectful again. <laughs> All right. So you might be like, what am I looking at here? But the best answer that we can provide is, I don't know. Uh, the little I do know about this limestone statue, though, pertains to its cursed nature. The artifact was crafted around 3500 BC and found in Cyprus in 1878. And of the families it belonged to over the generation, each one has been torn apart by death. Within six years of ownership, all seven members of the first family had perished. Once the second owner, Ivor Minushi, acquired it, death came for him and his family after only four years. The statue then vanished for a long while, but when a new third family eventually laid claim to it, several members of their household died. However, two of the remaining members of that household very wisely donated the artifact to the Royal Scottish Museum. Ugh, weird. This thing, it does look uh, like an effigy of a person, definitely a woman. Um, but, I mean, it's not creepy or anything to look at. Um, but, yeah, due to its haunted nature, I definitely wouldn't mess around with it. All right, our next haunted object is the Dark Mirror. The world's only mobile museum of the unexplained, the traveling museum of the paranormal and occult, holds this mysterious reflector, which seems to literally take on a life of its own. It's a dark mirror used for scrying. The museum obtained it from the original owner who purchased it while attending a psychic fair in the Columbus area. The same owner, they were struck with very upsetting visions when gazing into the scrying mirror's dark reflection. According to the museum, visitors also claim to have reported uncomfortable sightings, such as their own corpse when gazing into the reflective glass. The author also warns not to look at the picture of the dark mirror that's in her article. Um, <laughs> so I'm also not going to post a picture of that. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you consider this an object, but this next one is a phone number. Believe it or not. Um, everybody that had this phone number has died. Which, I mean, is eventually going to happen. But <laughs> um, they died, like, young. Like, when they shouldn't have died. So, whether you consider this, ob this an object or not is up to you. But it was just too wild to leave off of this list. In short, several people who had the phone number 
888-888 have died in pretty intense fashions. The number's first holder, former Mobitel CEO Vladimir Grashnov, died of cancer at just 48 in 2001. The number was then passed to a Bulgarian mob boss who was shot and killed by an assassin in 2003. After that, the number became businessman Konstantin Dishleaves until he was fatally shot outside a restaurant in 2005. The number was then suspended after that, and the mobile company Mobitel did not provide details as to why. Creepy. I mean... I don't know if I would want a number. I know that doesn't sound like an American number, but because um, it's got four digits at the beginning, but having all the <laughs> all the same number in there, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. All right, this next one is called the Divot Box, and there's two articles that I'll read to you. Right now, it's in Zach Bagan's The Haunted Museum. Attained by paranormal fanatic Zach Bagan in 2017, this well-known wine box is allegedly possessed by a Dybbuk, which in Jewish mythology is a malicious and possessing demon. The idea with, which inspired the 2012 horror film The Possession gained attention when it was auctioned on eBay in 2001 by a man who claims he bought it at an estate sale and its original owner was a survivor of the Holocaust. The man reported encountering strange activity occurring when the box was around, including horrible nightmares. The object was made even more famous in 2018 when singer Post Malone touched it in an episode of Ghost Adventures and has reportedly been dealing with the consequences ever since. Huh, interesting. Have to, I'll have to fact check that. Post Malone. <laughs> All right. Dybbuk box. Uh, this is another article. Maybe the most famous ghost story to feature Kirksville is the story of the original Dybbuk box. The legend was first popularized by Kevin Manis, who reported a series of supernatural occurrences surrounding the wine cabinet he bought on eBay. After experiencing nightmares, odd smells, and health problems, Manus traced the box back to a family who claimed it was inhabited by a Dybbuk, an evil spirit from Jewish folklore, said to be a dead spirit able to possess the living. The Dybbuk box came to Kirksville when Manus resold it on eBay to a Truman State University student. The student quickly grew tired of being haunted and sold it again to Jason Haxton, the director of the local Museum of Osteopathic Medicine. Haxton was a strong believer in the box's supernatural powers. He claimed to have developed strange health problems, including head-to-toe welts, consulting rabbis about how to get rid of the Dybbuk, and even wrote a book about the box. Haxton eventually claimed to have sealed away the Dybbuk and hidden the box in a secret location in Kirksville. Sadly, he put an end to the Dybbuk box scavenger hunt in 2017 when he donated the box to Zach Bagans, host of TV show Ghost Adventures. The box or whatever may or may not possess 
or the box and whatever may or may not possess it now reside in Bagan's Las Vegas Haunted Museum. Huh. Weird. Alright. There's a story also from Kirksville, um, located in the Highland Park Cemetery, um, commissioned by William Baird, a prominent banker, um, who's not buried in the cemetery. So he was just trying to creep people out, and he succeeded. Um, it's called The Devil's Chair. Urban legend says you will be either cursed or rewarded if you sit in the chair at midnight but it's particularly unwise to do so on Halloween. If you make that mistake, the story goes, hands will appear from the ground and drag you down into hell. The stone chair is said to have been aged very little by time, which is either evidence of its supernatural nature or as the haunted tour of Kirksville websites notes, the results of really good masonry. Yep. No one has claimed to have seen his ghost, but visiting his unmarked grave is a creepy activity on an even deeper level. Creepy, creepy. All right, let's see where we're at. Let's take a short break and then come right back to our two top scariest dolls. All right, welcome back my spooky friends. Uh, we're going to talk about the first of the two that I would rank at the top of my uh, freakiest, scariest, uh, possessed dolls, if you will. Again, remind the listener um, not to take everything as face value. These are claims by other people. Um, some people believe in this stuff. Some people do not. Uh, moral of the story is, you know, make your own decision on if this is real or not. All right, without further ado, we will get into Robert the Doll. So Robert the Doll is located, let me see where they moved him to. It's in Key West. Uh, one of the people on the Facebook page actually posted a picture of it. <laughs> and I was like, I hope you asked that doll's permission before you took his picture. But the curators and people at the museum do warn people to not disrespect the doll and to ask permission first. All right. So Robert is a one-of-a-kind handmade by the... Thief Company of Germany around the turn of the century. Standing 40 inches tall and stuffed with wood wool, known as Excel Excelsior, he is dressed in a sailor suit and once bore painted features not unlike that of a jester. His unusual size indicates that he may have been fashioned in the image of his constant companion, a boy named Robert Eugene Otto. The doll took Robert as his name, while the boy simply went by Gene. Together, they would go on to make history. Gene and Robert were best friends growing up. Legend speculates that voodoo played a part in Robert's formative years, 
While interviews with those close to the Otto family indicate a great deal of emotional energy was placed upon the doll during Eugene's lifetime. It is said that young Jean would shift blame whenever he misbehaved as a child, pointing to the doll and saying, I didn't do it, Robert did it. Jean went on to be a prominent artist. He designed the gallery at the Fort East Martello Museum and had plans to make his own home and museum complete with a wax imprint of the artist's hands as a focal point. Though his dream was never realized, his home became known as the artist's house, and stories about the doll's strange behavior became commonplace with those who encountered him after Jean's death in 1974. Tenants heard footsteps in the attic room above them. A plumber heard giggling and turned to find the doll had moved across the room on his own. Solaris Hill reporter Malcolm Ross reported or visited Robert and said, and I quote, It was like a metal bar running down my back. At first, when we walked through the door, the look on his face was like a little boy being punished. It was as if he was asking himself, who are these people in my room and what are they going to do to me? Ross's friends told him Robert's backstory and pointed out the children's furniture. It was at this point Malcolm noticed a change in the doll's expression as if he was following the conversation they were having. One of the men made a comment about what an old fool Gene Otto must have been and Robert's expression turned to one of disdain. And I quote, There was some kind of intelligence there. The doll was listening to us. When it went to a new home, uh, Myrtle Ruder purchased the auto home in 1974. He became Robert's companion and kept him when he moved on to Von Fisher Street six years later. In 1994, he donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum, claiming that he moved around her house on his own and was haunted. Myrtle died a few months later, but Robert remained active. Museum staff noticed a shift in energies at the Fort East Martello Museum. Though Robert was not initially on display, he started receiving visitors as word spread of his new residence. Once he was put on exhibits, cameras and electronic devices malfunctioned in his presence, and soon letters began arriving addressed to the doll, offering apologies for disrespectful behavior and asking for his permission or his forgiveness. Um... It's a common thing, and the museum will also tell visitors um, not to take Robert's picture without asking first his permission and not to say anything disrespectful to him. Um, people that have done both of these things, both without permission and disrespectful, um, reportedly they run into very bad luck in their life, and this is to blame. And those people... Uh, and the letters are like all around the display <laughs> um, where people have written apologizing to the doll, like, please remove this curse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Um, letters continue to arrive daily 
uh, ghost hunters, TV shows, psychics, skeptics, and believers all visit this doll on a regular basis to witness firsthand what they've heard. Is Robert cursed by voodoo? Thriving on the energy placed upon him, uh, a misunderstood doll with a playful spirit, or perhaps just joined by a spirit of his long lost or his lifelong companion, Gene. Uh, I guess we'll never know. Um, let me look at another article on this. The doll was allegedly known to giggle, run from room to room, cause household accidents, and walk past upstairs windows while the family was away. Do, do, do. Robert was left in the auto's attic until 1974. And staff members at the museum um, claim that the doll causes strange activity anytime it is rotated through the museum. Its head is also said to be seen turning to follow museum goers as they pass by. Creepy. All right, let's take a look at this next report on this. All right, so this is back whenever Jean was little. All right, it was given to painter and author Robert Eugene Otto when he was a young boy by one of Jean's maids, a woman who reportedly practiced voodoo. When Jean was young, his parents and other servants would hear the boy in his room talking to someone with distinctly different voices while at night. The autos would wake to Jean screaming in a room full of overturned furniture. Soon after, the autos began finding mutilated toys and hearing giggling and strange noises around the house. At first, many believed it to be Jean, who would often blame it on Robert. But as activity increased and more people noticed, some reports claimed that those walking by the house could see Robert moving from window to window, and the autos felt, felt compelled to get rid of the doll, locking it in their attic. Y'all, I don't know why you wouldn't just throw this doll away, <laughs> burn it, do something... I don't know why you would be like, let's get rid of it. It's haunted, but let's keep it in the house. <laughs> let's just put it in the attic. Uh, the weirdest part for me is like this next part because it involves Jean's wife. <laughs> and I'd say she was pretty long suffering to put up with this, but. All right. Upon the death of Jean's parents, Robert moved back into his childhood home. And out from the attic, Robert came. Rumors swirled that Gene would spend hours locked in the house painting with his haunted doll by his side and take it with him wherever he went. Gene's wife, Anne, was bothered by the behavior, I'd say so, and eventually became somewhat tormented by the presence of the possessed doll that Gene kept in a chair next to their bed. Oh my gosh. 
After both their passings, a new family moved into the auto house, but quickly moved out, citing that Robert the doll had attempted to harm them. Um, and he remains one of the most infamous and haunted dolls, even years later. I don't know if I could do that. Like, his wife was scared by this doll, and her husband was obsessed with this doll, and the doll slept, or not slept, but was sat in a chair right beside their bed while they were sleeping. I couldn't do it. Nope. That's a that's a big nope for me. Um Yeah. Um even my friend that posted the picture on the Facebook page uh under the haunted dolls teaser. Um I was even like I hope you asked permission. And she was like, "Yeah, I'm not taking that chance." <laughs> of course I asked permission. <laughs> of the doll to take his picture. Uh, so that's where some of these things are like super creepy. Cause it's like, where's that line? You don't want to disrespect them. You don't want to play with them. You don't want to like have really anything to do with them. Um, but yeah. All right. We'll take a short break and get back to what I would call my creepiest doll story. All right, be right back. Side note, my sister decided after hearing about the story of Annabelle uh, to put her porcelain dolls that she had been collecting for years in my creepy bedroom in the closet because, and I quote, I don't sleep in there anyway. <laughs> Why did they have to go in my closet? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do you have creepy stories of your own? Send them to me. All right, welcome back. I'm going to tell you another scary story before I get to my top scary doll. And it's called The Tall Man Family's Bunk Beds. In 1968, Deborah and Alan Tallman moved with their young children into a house on Larrabee Street in Horicon, Wisconsin. In 1987, they bought a second-hand set of bunk beds for their kids for $100. But by 1988, they had moved out of the house and buried the bunk beds in a landfill where they hoped no one would ever set eyes on them again. When they brought the bunk beds home, you see, they bought more than just a piece of furniture with them. They brought in something else. Something that terrified them for months. They began seeing strange shapes in their home, hearing voices that didn't belong to any of the Tallmans themselves, fighting with clock radios that kept changing channels by themselves, and furniture that moved when no one was looking and jumping out of their skin with fright when an apparition of an old woman appeared without warning. About half a year after they brought the bunk beds home, the Tallmans had had enough. They got rid of the beds, said Deborah Tallman to the UPI at the time. The beds were buried Saturday in a landfill where no one will ever build. They took them out there, plowed them under, and put the house up for sale. 
and although no other residents of the house have ever reported any supernatural activity, the period in the late 80s during which the Tallmans lived at the address stuck with them. Deborah Tallman is noted as saying to the UPI, I think it's going to be a long time before things get back to normal. I still cannot sit at home at night and not be afraid of the dark. The beds, as far as anyone knows, have never been unearthed. But that doesn't mean they aren't still out there. Waiting. Ugh, that's creepy. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Think about it. Just bunk beds? I mean, I know my sister's bought second-hand bunk beds for her kids. That would be insane. All right. Um, let's see. There's one about a vase, the Bassano vase. Like a number of objects, death seems to follow the, this antique silver vase. We don't really know where the Bassano vase came from, but we're pretty sure it was created in Italy during the 15th century. Someone found it in 1988, again, where we don't really know. And even though it came with a note that read, Beware, this vase brings death that someone decided would be a really good idea to auction it off. It sold for 4 million lira, around $2,300 at the time. Uh, and three months later, its new owner was dead. The next owner simil similarly passed away, this time after two months. The pattern continued owner to owner, until eventually the police decided enough was enough and buried it somewhere. They won't tell anyone where, but that's okay. Seriously, guys, do not go and dig that thing up. Even if it is mostly a myth. <laughs> I'd be having that forensically tested to see if there's some kind of toxin on it or something. I don't know if that's quite supernatural, but still kind of freaky. All right, have you guys heard of Anna Baker's wedding dress? This one's kind of cool, definitely supernatural. In 1836, Ironmaster Elias Baker purchased a mansion near Allegheny Furnace in uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Apologies if not. Shortly after he and his wife Hetty and their two sons moved in, Elias and Hetty welcomed a third child, a baby girl named Anna. According to the stories, by the time Anna had reached marrying age, she had fallen in love with a local steel worker. They got engaged in secret, even going so far as to obtain a beautiful gown for Anna to wear on their wedding. Alas, though, her father discovered their plan and forbade Anna from marrying the man that she loved. He was too low class for her, her father had said. The match would never do. The wedding dress went unworn, and Anna Baker died in an old maid in 1914. The dress remained on display in the historic museum the Baker Mansion eventually became for quite some time. And every so often, it would appear to dance all by itself its sleeves fluttering and the matching slippers tapping as if moved by a non-existent wind. 
Unfortunately, though, the dress had to be taken out of circulation. It had degraded too much due to exposure to light and other airborne pollutants. Okay, that's creepy. All right, let's get to our number one scariest doll. And that is, as you know, the story of Annabelle. All right. So I'm going to read this um, article on them. And again, I'll tell you all the websites that I got these stories from tonight. Um, so if any of you want to do your own research, I have to warn you that painting I mentioned at the beginning is on some of these websites. <laughs> Just you've been warned. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> okay, so on to Annabelle. Okay, the true story of the original Annabelle doll began when she terrorized her first owner in 1970, forcing Ed and Lorraine Warren to take her to their occult museum for safekeeping. She sits in a glass case bearing a hand-carved inscription of the Lord's Prayer, while a pleasant smile rests on her happy face sitting under a mop of red hair. Uh, beneath the sign... Uh, in the case, it says, warning, positively, do not open. To uninformed visitors of the Warren Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut, she looks like any other Raggedy Ann doll. And I think that makes it even more creepy. Produced in the mid-20th century. But the original Annabelle doll is actually anything but ordinary. Since her first supposed haunting in 1970, this alleged evil doll has been blamed for demonic possession, a slew of violent attacks, and at least two near-death experiences. In recent years, true stories of Annabelle have even inspired a series of horror films. But just how much of the Annabelle story is real? Is the real Annabelle doll truly a vessel for demonic spirit? in search of a human host, or is she simply a child's toy used as a prop for wildly profitable ghost stories? These are the real stories of Annabelle. Though she doesn't share the same porcelain skin and lifelike features as her cinematic counterpart, the Annabelle doll that lives in the occult museum of famed paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren the pair that worked on this case, is made all the more creepy by how ordinary she appears. Annabelle's stitched features, including her half-smile and bright orange triangular nose, evoke memories of childhood toys and simpler times. If you could ask Ed and Lorraine Warren, though Ed died in 2006 and Lorraine died in early 2019, they would tell you that the stark warnings scrawled across Annabelle's glass case are more than necessary. According to the well-known demonologist couple, the doll is responsible for two near-death experiences, one fatal accident and a string of demonic activity that lasted some 30 years. The first of these infamous hauntings can allegedly be traced back to 1970 when Annabelle was brand new. The story was told to the Warrens by the two young women and was retold for years after by the Warrens themselves. 
As the story goes, the Annabelle doll was given, had been a gift to a young nurse named Donna, or Deidre, depending on the source, uh, from her mother for her 28th birthday. Donna, apparently thrilled with the gift, brought it back to her apartment and she sh that she shared with another young nurse named Angie. At first, the doll was an adorable accessory, sitting on the sofa in the living room and greeting visitors with her colorful visage. But before long, the two women began to notice that Annabelle seemed to move around the room of her own accord. Donna would sit on her living room sofa before leaving for work, only to come home in the afternoon and find Annabelle in the bedroom with the door shut. Donna and Angie then started finding notes throughout the apartment reading, Help me. According to the women, the notes were written on parchment paper, which they did not even keep in their home. Furthermore, Angie's boyfriend, known only as Lou, was in the apartment one afternoon while Donna was out and heard rustling in her room as if someone had broken in. Upon inspection, he found no for sign of forced entry, but found the Annabelle doll lying face down on the ground. Other versions of the story say that he was attacked upon waking up from a nap, depending on the source. <laughs> Suddenly, he felt searing pain on his chest and looked down to find bloody claw marks running across it. But two days later, they had vanished without a trace. Following Lou's traumatic experience, the, the women invited a medium over to help solve their seemingly paranormal problem. The medium held a seance. Again, I told y'all don't be doing those seances. And told the women that the doll was inhabited by a spirit of a deceased seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins, whose body had been found years earlier on the site where the apartment building had been built. The medium claimed that the spirit was benevolent and nice and simply wanted to be loved and cared for. The two young nurses reportedly felt bad for the spirit and consented to allow her to take up permanent residence in the doll. Eventually, in an attempt to rid their home of the Annabelle doll's spirit, uh, Donna and Angie called upon an Episcopal priest known as Father Hagen. Hagen contacted his superior, Father Cook, who alerted Ed and Lorraine Warren. They had tried to throw away the doll, and the doll would reappear. They would find notes written that none of them uh, had written themselves. As far as Ed and Lorraine Warren were concerned, the two young ladies' trouble truly started when they began believing the doll deserved their sympathy. The Warren believed there was actually a demonic force in search of a human host within Annabelle, and not a benevolent soul. The Warren's account of the case states, Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in, Anna in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Immediately, the Warrens noted that they believed there were signs of demonic possession, including teleportation, the doll moving on its own, materialization, the parchment paper notes, 
and the Mark of the Beast, as they called it, which is Lou's clawed chest. The Warrens subsequently ordered an exorcism of the apartment to be performed by Father Cook. Then they took Annabelle out of the apartment to her final resting place in the occult museum in the hopes that her demonic reign would finally end. Following Annabelle's removal from Donna and Angie's apartment, the Warrens documented several other paranormal experiences involving the doll. The first just minutes after they took possession of her. After the exorcism of the nurse's apartment, the Warrens buckled Annabelle into the back seat of their car and vowed not to take the highway in case she had some kind of accident causing power over them and their vehicle. However, even the safer back roads proved too risky for the couple. On the way home, Lorraine claimed that the brakes either stalled or failed several times, resulting in near-disastrous cra crashes. Lorraine claimed that as soon as Ed pull pulled holy water from his bag and doused the doll with it, the problem with the brakes disappeared. Upon arriving home, Ed and Lorraine placed the doll in Ed's study. There, they reported that the doll levitated and moved around the house. Even when placed in a locked office in an outer building, the Warrens claimed that she would turn up later inside the house. Finally, the Warrens decided to lock Annabelle up for good. The Warrens had a specially made glass and wood case constructed, upon which they inscribed the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. And the rest of his life... Ed would periodically say a binding prayer over the case, ensuring that the sinister spirit and the doll remain good and trapped. Since being locked up, Annabelle the doll hasn't moved again, though it is alleged that her spirit has found ways to reach out to the earthly plane. Once a priest who was visiting the Warrens Museum picked up Annabelle and discounted her demonic abilities. Ed warned the priest about mocking Annabelle's demonic power but the young priest laughed him off. On his way home, the priest was involved in a near-fatal crash that totaled his new car. He claimed to have seen Annabelle in his rearview mirror just before the accident. Years later, another visitor rapped on the glass of the Annabelle doll's case and laughed how silly people were to believe in her. On his way home, he reportedly lost control of his motorcycle and crashed headlong into a tree. He was killed instantly, and his girlfriend just barely survived. She claimed that at the time of the accident, the couple had been laughing about the Annabelle doll. Over the years, the Warrens continued to recount these tales as proof of the Annabelle's, the doll's horrific powers, though none of these stories could be corroborated. The name of the youngest priest, or the young priest, the motorcyclist, were never divulged. Neither Donna nor Angie, the two nurses who were Annabelle's first victims, ever came forward with their story. Neither Father Cook nor Father Hagen appeared to have mentioned their exorcisms of her ever again. It would appear that all we have is the Warren's word that any of this even took place. Whether or not any of these hauntings took place, the tales left behind were... All the director and producer James Wan needed to pull together a long-lasting and lucrative horror universe. Dun, dun, dun.
Yeah, he made her look really lifelike and scary. Let's see. So Annabelle is still in the occult museum. Um, he taught his protege um, named Spira how to do the binding prayer, and he keeps it going even though they're dead. Um, and like they've, an investigation by the New England Skeptical Society proved that the artifacts in the Warren Occult Museum were mostly fraudulent, citing doctored photos and exaggerated storytelling. So a lot of the stuff that they put in their museum, they didn't vet entirely. They just kind of believed it. Um, but for those who still doubt the Annabelle doll's power, Spira likens disturbing her to playing Russian roulette. There might be just one bullet in the gun, but would you still pull the trigger? Or would you just put the gun down and not take the risk? I don't know about you, but I would just put the gun down and not take the risk. Um, real life fears surrounding the original Annabelle doll flared up even more in August of this year, 2020, when reports surfaced that she had escaped from the occult museum. Um, those rumors quickly spread on social media. I remember seeing it on Facebook. <laughs> um, the curator, the protege of Ed Warren, Spira, he said, Annabelle's alive. Well, I shouldn't say alive. Annabelle is here in all her infamous glory. She has never left the museum. <laughs> um, he did say, though, I'd be concerned if Annabelle really did leave because she's nothing to play with. Oof, goodness. That story is scurry. Um, we've always believed that, like, stuff can attach to stuff, you know? Um, case in point of this is a lot of religious people that I know uh, believe that you can bring a spirit into your house by bringing, you know, dirty movies into your house. It brings that spirit with it or bringing uh, violent stuff or just, you know, evil stuff into your home. Um, lying, cheating, uh, just doing stuff like that causes strife and conflict that these spirits are supposed to uh, feed on. Um, have all been reported as, you know, bringing a spirit into your home, at least in the Christian perspective. Um, so, um, a lot of people, not in the Christian world, but a lot of people will um, sage their homes periodically um, in the form of a box um, in all the corners and with the windows up so something can, you know, leave but you know a lot of people use that and say that it's really effective for cleansing a space some people you know they bless the house they pray over their house they try to keep their thoughts pure they try to live a good life and um not to invite any foothold for evil stuff like that um this was an interesting episode i had I had a lot of anxiety <laughs> while I was doing this. I was like, oh, these are freaky. But yeah, just be careful. Don't be bringing home secondhand stuff like that. 
don't be attaching yourself to, you know, <laughs> items and stuff like that. It's, just, it's weird. <laughs> it's scary. All right. Um, I think I've taken up enough of y'all's time tonight. This has been a fun one. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to go uh, join our Facebook page at Paranormal Stories Spooky Shiz on Facebook groups. Um, that is where I announce what my future episodes are going to be. That's where I post um, you guys' stories that you guys tell me or send to me. If you want to post your own story, feel free to put it in there in the group, and I'll be sure to read it. Um, if you want to remain anonymous, you can message me and send it to me, and I'll read it without using your name. But thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for growing our listenership and helping us to you know, get bigger with time. And I'll see what else I can dig up for you guys, tell you a couple more listener stories next week. All right, guys. Stay spooky. Bye-bye.